and welcome back to another episode of the Scranton Talks podcast. I hope you'll enjoy your time with us. Are you an aspiring filmmaker? Do you love film? Or are you new to filmmaking? Scranton Talks is the podcast for you. It is full of inspirational, informative, and fun talks with other filmmakers and creatives about their projects and their journeys. Scranton Talks is part of the Independent Film Creative Hub based in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hosts Luz Cabrales and myself, Desiree Zelensky, founded the Independent Film Creative Hub, which is geared to help filmmakers reach their potential in becoming successful creative artists. And we are so glad that you can join us for this episode. A few th- wonderful things happening in our area. If you are in the Scranton, Wilkesbury, Northeast Pennsylvania region, um, make sure you get your tickets for the Northeast Pennsylvania Film Festival that's happening on April 14th, 15th, and 16th of this year. The schedule is already up on their website. Um, the Northeast Pennsylvania Film Festival is hosted by the Waverly Community House in partnership with WBIA. We are so excited for that. Uh, opening night is going to be great at the Waverly Community House at 6 o'clock with an evening with Emmy Award-winning writer and director Josh Fox, which will be moderated by WBIA News Director Julie Sedoni with a sneak peek secret screening of a work-in-progress feature film uh, so many great regional films will be showing there as well. Luce will have her documentary that she helped work on with Robert Savankis called That Championship Season, Scranton's Championship Season, um, about the time when Jason Miller uh, was filming that championship season in Scranton and about that. And a lot of wonderful regional short films and also the Mystery Box Film Challenge, which I've helped facilitate with the film festival. We'll have eight films showing for that. And we'll pick who wins Best of Show and announce that at the festival, as well as wonderful, great short films, as my film will be in that one as well. So you can go get tickets at NEPAFilmFestival.com. <laughs> so used to saying NEPA all the time. Uh, another great film festival that's coming up also in April is the 6th Annual Jim Thorpe Independent Film Festival, which will be taking place from April 20th through April 23rd this year. It's a live in-person four-day event at the Machunk Opera House in historic Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Uh, It's about an hour away from where I'm at in Scranton, so it's a wonderful um, day trip. If you want to make a weekend out of it, it's fantastic. I've been in attendance at the festival as well as Luce and a couple of our friends, and it's a wonderful time uh, the Jim Thorpe Independent Film Festival embraces the rebellious spirit of the Molly Maguires, and they screen bold and unconventional films that challenge conventions and spark spirited debates. Um, their motto is eyes and minds wide open, and they definitely take that to heart. Um, you can buy tickets now. I know they just released their program lineup, and their website is jimthorpeindiefilmfest.com. And then finally... We will also be having our NEPA Film Society Indie Filmmaker Meetup on April 29th at 12 p.m. at Black Watch Cafe at Nayog Park. Since the weather is getting nicer, weather permitting, um, Black Watch is a wonderful cafe at Nayog Park. Ample parking. Uh, They have a wonderful outdoor seating area, so if it's sunny and beautiful and warm, we'll be there. If the weather is rainy or it happens to snow in April, (laughs) which it happens on occasion, we'll move it to another location if it gets closer. But look out for details to come on that. And we are so glad to have you for this episode of Scranton Talks, which we had the pleasure of talking with director, producer, writer, Tom Ryan. He was born and raised in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, He founded the independent production company called Theater of Terror. He also launched TOT Videography, which is a subsidiary of Theater of Terror to support local small businesses with engaging commercial ads. Um, He's really into making independent horror films. We had such a wonderful time chatting with him. He had such great advice. I encourage you to listen to the end. He has some wonderful pearls of wisdom for all filmmakers who are interested in creating independent films. So without further ado, here's our episode with Tom Ryan. Welcome everyone. That's right. I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Good. Feels like forever. (laughs) No, didn't we do last month? (laughs) Say that again. 
Didn't we do a talk last month? <laughs> I think we did. It's been it's been a a long month, but uh, thank you for everyone uh, uh, that are joining us this evening. Uh, what is today? A Tuesday, right? It's Tuesday. Wow. <laughs> for those who don't know me, my name is Luz Cabrales, and I am the uh, founder of Scranton Films and the co-founder of the Independent Film Creative Hub. I am your host uh, today, along with Desiree. Yeah, for those who don't know me, my name is Desiree Zelinsky. I am also the co-founder of the Independent Film Creative Hub. I'm also the founder of NEPA Film Society, which is a local filmmaking community here in Northeast Pennsylvania. And I'm also the organizer of the Mystery Box Film Challenge. Do a lot of things, that's right. I do. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about a little bit before we introduce our guest today uh, about the film festival, the NEPA Film Festival that's coming up on the 14th through the 16th, correct? That's right, 14th, 15th, and 16th. And you're also part of that committee. Oh, wow. Yes, I'm on the committee for NEPA Film Festival. Um, I think it's going to be a great time. You're going to see a lot of great films, like local regional films, like Luce's The Championship Season. It's going to be playing at the Waverly Community House, as well as the Mystery Box Film Challenge, where you'll see a lot of local regional filmmakers who participate in the challenge, as well as my film will be in that one as well. So it's going to yes. be great. I'm really excited. Uh, I I am so bummed uh, because I'm not going to be able to make it this year. I think uh, I have been able to go for the last few years. And this year, uh, I mean, it's good because I have a, a good uh, gig uh, doing a, uh, helping on a feature film. So it is kind of related. Uh, so it works out. But uh, I am not going to be able to be there on that uh, Saturday for the Scranton Championship season. But I wish everyone, you know, they have a good time. And I think... Uh, you're, they're also doing a gala, uh, opening gala on Friday, um, and it starts at 6 p.m. Now, this uh, Northeast uh, Pennsylvania Film Festival is, is hosted by the Waverly Community House, uh, and it's also sponsored by WVIA. So definitely check it out. There's a lot of good films. And, you know, what better way to spend a, a weekend than to support local filmmaking you know, regional films, even international films. Uh, the whole idea of independent filmmaking is starts uh, at home. So make sure you go get your tickets. Uh, you have the website right here. And also, like Desiree said, that mystery box, we have a lot of filmmakers that are learning how to make films. Some yeah. already know how to make films. And they're just, they took, you know, a challenge uh, to make a film and they did it. So mm -hmm. I, how many films do you have? Uh, we have eight that are going to be showing for the Mystery Box Film Challenge, which is great. It's a mix of um, a lot of local around this region mm -hmm. and out of state, which is great, and some student um, films, which is wonderful. And it's everyone gets the same items and prompts, and it's amazing that everyone comes up with something completely different. Exactly. And uh, I there's also another festival coming up uh, that uh, is a little bit farther, but it's, it's not too far. It's like 45 minutes. No, it's um, it's a really great festival. It's about an hour here from Scranton. It's the sixth annual Jim Thorpe Independent Film Festival, which will also be taking place in April. That's April 20th to the 23rd. It's going to be the live in-person four-day event at the Machunk Opera House in historic Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And Jim Thorpe Film Festival embraces the rebellious spirit of the Molly Maguires and screens bold and unconventional films that challenge conventions and spark spirited debates. And their motto is eyes and minds wide open. And they take that definitely to heart. I've attended the Jim Thorpe Film Festival. We both have. And it's just a wonderful um, festival. I mean, a lot of their blocks are very popular, especially the Grindhouse block, which shows at midnight on Saturday, I believe. And that's a really popular block. That's really like the films that really hold nothing back. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're from this area, uh, come to the NEPA Film Festival. Uh, if you're not, uh, still come to the NEPA Film Festival. And same for the Jim Thorpe. Yeah, uh, but, um, their tickets are on sale now. And I think they just released the program today. Um, it's at jimthorpeindiefilmfest.com. Great, great. Well, thank you for that. And I and I see that you are also planning another uh, NEPA Film Society. Um, you know, and I forgot to put it here. So while you tell everyone, <laughs> let me have the date. Yeah, so it's coming up that we'll also have another NEPA Film Society indie filmmaker meetup on April 29th at 12 p.m. Hopefully at Black Watch Cafe in Nyack Park in Scranton, weather permitting, since they have a very nice outdoor patio. But they're calling for mm -hmm. six degrees on Saturday, so I mean, I think we should Love be. It. But but if it 
does if the weather's bad when we get closer we might change it to commonwealth again so be on the lookout for details on that since we're coming on the third month again so it'll be fun to hang out and collaborate yeah. and network again Okay, it's the NEPA Film Society meeting, April 29, 2023. But enough of us. Uh, we uh, have a very, very special uh, filmmaker with us today. Uh, he is not just uh, a writer. He's a director, producer, and he loves horror. Okay, uh, he is from Jersey City, uh, New Jersey, and he is uh, joining us today. I'm going to show you a little bit of his um, one of his projects, a trailer. But uh, I just want to tell you a little bit more about him. Uh, he uh, in, in, and I have to read this because it's, it's pretty long, which is which is good. You know, that's that's always great. Let me get rid of this uh, comment here real quick. Uh, just to make sure it's not, sorry about that. Uh, but basically, uh, Tom Ryan is a writer, director, producer. And he, uh, like I said, he loves horror. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about his anthology films and also his company uh, that he launched uh, in the area of um, to help uh, small businesses and you know with promotional spots uh, and also just everything that he loves about uh, filmmaking. Uh, so what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna show his trailer uh, to his latest one of his projects, and then we're gonna talk more about with him and just just kind of pick his brain on what um, you know what what he loves about filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me, uh, ladies. I really appreciate the opportunity. To come on and talk about independent films with you. Great, great. And, uh, you know, um, we are just very excited uh, because you are uh, a true independent filmmaker. You know, I see for what I've read about you, for what I uh, looked up, uh, you are doing a lot of great things around your community as well uh, and also with independent filmmaking. But before we dive into that and just sort of how you created um, your company that makes anthology films, I want to talk about how it all got started. Right. Um, in your in your bio, it says that you you just have a love for genre films, especially horror. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. And, and, you know, the child in you when you uh, first got introduced to horror and started uh, thinking about maybe this will be your calling becoming an independent filmmaker. Well, it, you know, in all honesty, it didn't start with horror. It started with uh, the making of Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. It was a special <laughs> I saw. Uh, and uh, known as a Desiree, oh, a bit of a Just a little bit, but uh, yeah, I was I was really attracted to the behind the scenes stuff that I saw, um, mm -hmm. the uh, stop motion animation they were doing uh, with tauntauns and 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 spaceships and uh, using a lot of blue screen and uh, it 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 blew my mind. I, as a child, I was always a fan of the Jason and the Argonauts movies and the Sinbad movies and. Uh, um, just, just that stop motion, that Ray Harryhausen art technique. And, uh, it just drove my imagination wild. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I was a little boy and I loved to play with toys and it looked like grown men playing with toys, uh, behind the scenes. And I thought that was fantastic. It really, um, it really got my interest going to figure out how movies were made. Um, and, and also growing up in that time, there were just so many new groundbreaking films for me to see. Uh, Star Wars, um, you know, the Mad Max movies, um, all the horror that came out in the early 80s um, and the late 70s, a lot of very strange horror that was coming out in the mid to late 70s, uh, psychedelic type horror, cosmic horror, I guess you could call it. Um, uh, there was also uh, uh, just all the staples, Jaws, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Um, all that stuff was was pouring into my brain. V VCRs had just come out during my childhood, and uh, there was like one local video store. There were no blockbusters or anything like that. And mm -hmm. I'd walk in that local video store, and it was, um, I mean, it was like a treasure trove of, uh, you know, low budget, extremely creative horror films and science fiction films. And I think absorbing all that in information simultaneously, um, I was big into comic books. I was drawing a lot of comic books at the time. Um, all of it inspired me into this creative direction of, you know, art, music, movies. And uh, I, I don't think there was a, a, any turning back after that. 
That's great. No, that's great. Uh, and it's great to that you do mention um, comic books because I know that you did uh, a little series called uh, Midnight. Um, talk to me a little bit about that because every time I talk to people that are very creative, right? They know the art in comics. And I think that's very important as well, even though it's not filmmaking. I mean, mm -hmm. nowadays, you know, with, with Marvel, like they're making great films. Uh, but when you're looking at a piece of paper and you're, do, you know, you're, you're looking at the comics, um, talk to me about a, a little bit about that and what drew you into doing that uh, project. Well, I was a huge comic book fan, huge comic book collector. Uh, and, um, you know, I just admired the artwork. I admired the storytelling. And I guess comic books are really kind of a storyboard for a movie, right? When you get into filmmaking and you storyboard, you're trying to capture the vision of the way that you want the story to be told, the angles, um, how close the, the, you know, what kind of framing you want to use. And, um, you know, I, I obviously carried that over into my filmmaking as well. But uh, I think it was probably the Halloween movies and Friday the 13th that really inspired me and, and a group of my friends and some of them were exceptionally talented in artwork. And we all really just kind of inspired each other to draw comic books, which all shared a similar plot, which was all of our friends in the neighborhood. We would all kind of represent ourselves in the comic books and we would all be um, terribly murdered by a psycho in the neighborhood. And we'd create these different masks and, you know, the one character I used to draw a lot kind of had this um, kind of like a, if you ever were familiar with the old GI Joe television series, there was Cobra commander had yeah. this claw draped over his head and uh, my murderer looked like that. And we all kind of shared that same vision. I don't even remember who invented that look. I think it was right. a friend of mine, Dave Leon, who was also an artist. And um, we would all just draw this guy chopping our heads off and running over us with cars and stuff. And we just kind of recreated the Halloween movie or Friday the 13th in comic book fashion. And then that kind of branched out into different stuff. As we all kind of got older, we'd start to create different stories and whether it be science fiction or different, a monster or a werewolf or a vampire or what have you. And uh, it was just an outlet for us to get a lot of our thoughts on paper. And, um, you know, it didn't stop there. We would actually... Well, most kids, and, and we did this other stuff too. We'd play football and baseball and stuff in the streets, but a lot of times we'd go in someone's backyard and I would just kind of assign people roles to play. And you're going to be this guy and you're going to be that guy and, and she's going to be this person and that person. And this is what happens. And we'd kind of just act it out and just make a movie with no cameras. And you were a director. Yeah, yeah. I was doing it early on. Yeah. So that that's, uh, that's, that's how the comic books played into that. Uh, it was just a, a great medium at the time. It was doable because even though VCRs were out, VHS cameras were very expensive and we didn't necessarily have one right away and no one had one. Uh, so comic books were how we got our imagination out to our friends and, and to our family. Wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Desiree, I know you wanted to kind of jump into the horror uh, part of it. Um, so I'll let you uh, uh, jump on that. Yeah, you might have touched on this a little bit. It's kind of like, what really drew you into like horror movies specifically? Like, what was it about them that really drew you to wanting to make horror films? They were relatable to a certain extent. Um, horror films very frequently use children or teenagers as the subject matter and the, the focus of, of, of the, the murderer or the monster or whatever's happening in the film. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that young children and teenagers um, are immature and they tend to believe in ghosts and monsters and things of that nature. And so they, they really play into that trope that they are the perfect target where you would feel adults wouldn't react the same way to frightening things as children do. Yeah. Um, I think that was built upon in a lot of those movies. And so it became relatable for, for me and my friends when we'd watch these movies. Um, oh, look, it's a bunch of kids hanging out in this abandoned building or, or somewhere they're not supposed to be and they get, you know, frightened by a monster or a killer <laughs> or whatever. Um, it was also the fact that horror movies are so much fun, um, or at least they used to be. And when I say that, oh, why I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, and they still are. But I think when I was a child, there was a real focus on um, that entertainment value in a horror movie uh, mm -hmm. because I don't know that there was such a niche audience for that genre at the time. 
And this is how you attribute the success of The Exorcist or Jaws. People that went to go see those movies were not horror fans, right? They were just people that were interested in seeing what this movie is about. And I think over the years, horror has started uh, to to narrow that uh, to, to, to narrow that field down to these niche fans, which is a large group of people that are genre fans of, of, of horror. But um, I think I enjoyed a time when it was, it was kind of more something that everyone could enjoy or everyone can watch. And, and with that said, of yes. course, everyone was not going to see every Friday the 13th sequel. Mm-hmm. And everyone wasn't going to see every Halloween sequel or Nightmare on Elm Street. There were a lot of families that steered clear of that stuff. They're rated R or what have you. And so they wouldn't go see them. But I think they were more broadly targeted uh, where um, they were trying to make films that were, hey, we we need to throw some comedy into this horror film or we need to throw something else into it so that we appeal to a broader audience. Um, I, I think a lot of horror films would not have been accepted. So like a film like Terrifier 2. Uh, back in those earlier days, I think would have been more of a grindhouse film where it's like, nah, you, you go and watch that at one o'clock in the morning somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's not that's nothing that we could release to a broader audience. Mm-hmm. But I think now people are a little bit uh, more conditioned, uh, less sensitive to that kind of stuff. And so it, it they do now appeal to a broader audience. But um, I, th- I think you get what I'm saying about, no. about that, right? It was, I think, yeah, definitely. I think the filmmakers back then, were not horror filmmakers. They were filmmakers that, that tended yeah, to make true. horror movies. And right. um, and so they did try to introduce a lot of drama and narrative into their movies uh, as opposed yes. to just scares and, and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and you're right, because what I like about the old movies like Tales from the Crib, The Twilight Zone, which I'm yeah. a fan of, uh, is that like, you know, Lloyd Kaufman, you know, like all the, the people, uh, Savini, that, that do all this stuff, they were creating a story. They weren't just doing horror just because it looked cool. They were creating a story. They were telling a story. And I think a lot of their actors, a lot of their crew, they were having fun when they were making it um, because they were making those special effects by hand, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I love about all those, that they really put thought into Sure. You you had a lot of extremely groundbreaking creative people back then that had no idea how they were going to do that effect. Mm -hmm. How are we going to create that creature? How are we going to make this a reality? And um, and again, I'm still a fan of behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. you know, documentaries, Blu-ray extras and stuff where you get to see these guys. Um, you know, one of my favorites is on Netflix. I think it was called The Movies That Made Us. And oh, my basically, oh, yes. <laughs> and, and they show you yeah. how incredibly difficult it was to make some of the fa- your favorite movies in history, how they almost didn't happen or how mm-hmm. someone was recast at the last minute and you wound up getting that person that became the iconic representation mm-hmm. of that franchise. Um, that stuff is is always so interesting to me because as the viewer to a film, if you've done your job as a filmmaker, the viewer has absolutely no idea of the trials and tribulations that you went through to bring them that film, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that is really what a filmmaker is, right? We are trying to make something look easy, right? Yeah. Uh, when you put it up on the screen, you're like, oh, I can do that, you know? Right. And if someone says that, that means you did a good job because they don't need to know all the all the little things. And we're talking about scheduling, you know, we're talking about paperwork, um, what, yes. you know, cast didn't work out or how we need to make sure that props need to be done. Right. right. So you are right when you say that you're you're crafting something, but you're creating something as well. But what you said about the comic books and the Twilight Zone, the Tales from the Crypt, all the uh, um, films is that they, yeah. they prep. Yeah. Right. They make sure that, you know, I want to make sure it looks like this. I don't know how we're going to do it, but let's see what we can come up with. Right. And, I, and I really love that about horror films, which takes me into the, the other the other question that you are specializing now in horror films. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Right. Yeah, correct. Yep. And because of that, you have been able to make uh, quite a few films. Uh, and now you have sort of a. 
an anthology series. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about that, how it got started, return to the theater, and just what we saw a little bit in the on the trailer is 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 the second mm -hmm. production, right, for mm -hmm. that franchise. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, you tell me that story. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, independent, independent filmmaking is hard. And uh, when you don't have a lot of money to do it, it's it could be very time consuming. It takes you longer to get some certain things done. Um, what so during my my career of independent filmmaking, uh, there was a point in 2017 to 2018 uh, when I had to decide what's my next project going to be. Um, when I started to think about it, I had just finished a feature film recently called Faces, and that was a very hard film to shoot. We had very little money, but we had a fantastic production team that was able to bring it to life. And um, when I was done with that, I decided, okay, what's the next thing going to be? I think there was a little bit of hesitation about getting committed to another feature film uh, with one set of actors and schedules and locations. And I, and, and I don't know, there was something in my head that said, God, I, I really don't want to get stuck doing one thing again for such a long period of time. I have mm -hmm. so many stories to tell. I'm never going to get all these out in time, right? And um, so I came up with the idea to do an anthology. And I said, you know, I, I love, as you mentioned, The Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, um, Amazing Stories, Creep Show. Uh, I could go on and on and just yeah. name Night Gallery, all, all the stuff that I, all the, all, all those anthology series that I used to watch. And what I realized I enjoyed so much about them is that when you watch those, you weren't invested in one cast and one storyline for the entire film. You got to see, you know, a story about a werewolf or a story about an alien or a story about a doll or a giant worm or what have you. And, and so I started considering those options and doing an anthology. Um, one of the producers on our uh, team, uh, Russell Hackett, uh, had wrote a short film called Bookworm, and he presented it to me, and it was really the launching point, the first short story we started working on. Um, I wrote The Gift and Abducted and Endangered, which were the three accompanying stories to go with that. We cast them. Uh, we went through a lot of pre-production. I'm, I'm, trust me when I say I'm making this process very short compared to what it really is. Uh, but we did that, and it was a very exciting time for me. I got to meet uh, so many of the talented local actors um, unknowns that were just extremely talented people that should be on the big screen, that should have their own television series. I mean, this is how talented these people are. Um, and we really hit it off and they really liked my energy uh, and they liked um, the, the goals I was setting for us and what we wanted to do. I wasn't thinking small, I was thinking big. Um, getting to work with all of them was an incredible experience. Uh, when we were done, uh, we premiered it. Uh, we had a, an amazing turnout. Uh, it was a packed house for the premiere. Um, it was just such a fun ride, the film festivals, winning awards for all the independent, because I would submit all the short films independently as short films. We got a lot of awards, a lot of accolades, and we got a great buzz going on. And when, when it was done, you know, kind of being a filmmaker is almost like a junkie, like it's done. And suddenly you're like looking for that <laughs> next film, right? You're just like, what am I going to do next? I have to do this again. All the buzz is starting to die down. You're restless. We, we, I need to create something. and. Um, so I just, you know, I said, gosh, I think I want to do another anthology. Um, I've got some more stories to tell. And so this time around, uh, one of my producers, Todd Starooch, had mentioned that he had a story called Splinter. And um, I read it. And um, he had worked with me on a couple of previous films, the Theater of Terror anthology, the original to mention. And um, he said, um, I've got this film and I think about making this my first, my directorial debut. And uh, we talked about it a little bit. And he said, yeah, I don't care how much money I spend on it. I'm just going to try to make it. And after I read the script, I said, man, I love this story. I, I really don't think that you should just risk not making it what it can be. I said, if you do this under the umbrella of theater of terror, I could really pour the resources into this. And um, so there was a little bit of a rewrite that I did with him uh, just to just to kind of sh um shorten it which it didn't really turn out to be much shorter the the one that's the one short story that's actually the longest of the four in the anthology it's almost 55 minutes um but uh we we worked on that one and then i just the, the next three stories just kind of vomited out of my brain i just was on this i was on this um i was really excited about it and i wrote soothsayer which is a time travel story i wrote uh haunted which is a, a ghost story and then i uh, wrote uh robot 
which is a science fiction short. And um, yeah, we put those together and and with a little narrative around it, just like with our original anthology. And uh, this one really showed an evolution in the filmmaking. And mm -hmm. um, between the first film and this film, I think we've gotten a lot better. Once again, we've got extremely talented uh, cast members and crew members involved in this picture. And um, we're really proud of it. We, we, we premiered at the Cranford Theater in late January. And uh, it was just, uh, people loved it. We got such great feedback. They loved the anthology format. It was a lot of fun because for me, it's always fun to say, what's your favorite story? Or, or <laughs> you know, which, which one can you relate to more? And you find that people really can and they enjoy the format. And uh, so it's kind of a favorite of mine. And I like that because now, like you said, you know, and we're watching just a little preview of the of the of the trailer again, just to kind mm -hmm. of spark the conversation. Because what I, again, what I like about it is that if you're watching a film as well, you're doing an anthology, like you said, you are not only spotlighting uh, actors that maybe will not get the opportunity in other projects that are bigger, and they get to be in a feature film, right? But the the feature film is composed of short films. Uh, so I like that idea a lot, um, just for the fact that, uh, you know, as far as independent filmmakers, but also, like you said, you keep the story going and it's always different. And, and now you're getting um, a fan base, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that, just kind of how it feels to have, you know, a fan base based on, you know, this, um, this movie, are you looking to do more or... Is this something that may lead into another project? So uh, just to address the fan base, uh, we, we have a wonderful <coughs> support system uh, with independent horror fans and uh, just genre fans in general. Theater of Terror, we do a lot of appearances as often as we can, as often mm -hmm. as we can afford. I've done a lot of bending. I used to appear at a lot of horror conventions uh, very frequently to push and promote work. Um, I've also done... Uh, focus was on regular street fairs. Uh, when I noticed that at horror cons, I would be one of 20 filmmakers trying to convince people to give our film a chance. I realized that at independent street fairs, if it's a town fair, mm -hmm. they're just kind of, you know, t-shirts and selling coffee cups and selling like, like bracelets that someone might make. Or I realized that was the only game in town if I was selling horror DVDs. And, uh, so that was a very lucrative, uh, uh, a branch to, to, to follow. Um, the fans are always wonderful, receptive, uh, supportive. Our fans have helped us make um, the past two films with their donations and contributions and their support of us after the DVDs come out and the Blu-rays, buying them, attending our premiere, attending film festivals to watch our screenings. They've been wonderful and, and extremely supportive of what we do. And I love talking to the fans about our work. I love meeting the fans. I don't know how long we'll be able to do that and actually go out and meet people in person. Right. Uh, but at this level, we certainly can still do it and, <laughs> and meet everyone and talk to them. And I enjoy that very much. And um, I mean, if you were to check out our Facebook page, you could find photos I've taken of almost every person that ever bought a DVD. And we take photos and we post it on our website because those people are the only ones that make it possible for us. There are no big Hollywood producers giving us any money. There's, there's, there's no one knocking on our door saying, I want to make this so much easier for you. It's the hardcore horror fans and, and, and the film fans in general that love what we're doing, that love the work that we're doing. I think they appreciate the fact that you could see the passion in what we do. We're not just slapping together some ridiculous you know, plot line and special effects and, and trying to sell it as a movie. We're putting a lot of thought and, and feeling and passion into our work. Like I said, the actors that we work with are very serious and very professional and they give a, a, a level of, um, you know, a, a high production value to our films when you see these folks in our films. And uh, so it's been great. And our fan base is wonderful. They subscribe to our we website, they comment on our, yeah. on our films and they support our trailers and everything. So I love them to death and I always will. Um, our fans are fantastic. Um, I forgot what the follow-up part to that no, question no, was. I apologize. It was just, you know, do you think that uh, this is something that maybe you're now you have returned right. uh, to the Theater of Terror? Are you going to do another one and then keep yeah. going on that? Or do you want to branch out and do 
maybe a different type of horror film or a drama? What what do you see in the future for that? That's a wonderful question. question. Um, I love doing the anthology format. With that said, um, because of where we feel we're going and the direction that we're going in, um, I've been discussing with people on the production team um, moving in the direction of doing another feature that's not an anthology for the sole purpose of... uh, I, we we kind of want to leave a mark, um, and I think anthologies are 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 wonderful. But I think um, to, to to really catch the eye and the ear of of the people that we're trying to whose attention we're trying to catch, I think we have to do a really uh, good memorable feature that's got a great story and a great a great solid ensemble, and um, give us time to flesh out these stories. Anthologies are wonderful, but sometimes they don't give you enough. I mean, our shorts are on an average 22 minutes. Uh, like I said, the splinter is, is the eyeball. It's at 55 minutes. And I think it's just because the story demanded that. Uh, right. But with the other ones, we have about 20 minutes to tell these great stories and we're able to do it. And we accomplished that very well. Uh, but so many times I watch those shorts and I say, God, I wish I could have made a feature out of this. Like we could have done so much more with it. And I think that's the direction we're moving in. Whether or not it's a, it's a horror feature is to be determined. I've got a great script that's been presented to me uh, by uh, my colleague and friend and actor and, and producer, executive producer, Jason Chickalese. He's he's worked on a wonderful horror script that I think would really harken back to the 80s, um, just with the, the connectivity, that feel that you get uh, from it, the way the story is told, the characters that he's developed. I think it's wonderful. We're looking at that. I'm also working on kind of a an ensemble feature that's very similar to uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or a Pulp Fiction, okay. um, mm-hmm. something along those lines, which in a way feels like an anthology because you're going to have separate individuals and different kind of stories all colliding and 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 joining together in 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 the one story that we're doing. Um, I, that's one that we're that's it's it's in the pre-writing process. We're kind of brainstorming ideas and the format for that one. Um, and then I'm, I'm thinking about doing a horror comedy as well. I've had some really fun ideas and some feedback on something along those lines. So it's um, that we haven't made a decision yet, but we are seriously considering about three projects with a lot of small projects mm-hmm. sprinkled in between. So um, I can't be 100% um, definitive on what, what direction we're going in next. I, but I certainly don't think it's going to be another anthology. I think it's going to be a full length feature film. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm sure you're going to make it happen because it looks like you're that type of person that you set yourself a goal and you just make it happen, which That's is right. yeah, which is what you have to do. Um, now we're going to take a, a little bit of a different direction before we come back to this. Um, Desiree, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what you do in the community as well okay. and with your company. Yeah, and we, we were reading up on that you did form TOT Videography, which is a subsidiary of Theater of Terror, LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to tell us a little bit about that, you're supporting local small businesses with engaging commercial ads. So if you want to get into that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, this idea started um, after my last job. Mm-hmm. Um, my One day, I, I have a full-time job. I am an independent filmmaker. I had a full-time job in sales. And um, the owner of the company I worked for passed away one weekend. And suddenly it just turned the company on its head. He was uh, he was someone that that handled everything basically himself. And so when the controls were left unmanned, uh, people had to come in and kind of look at the numbers and realize that the company had some um, financial issues that they had to address. And I wound up being let go along with a good portion of the sales team. And. I took that opportunity to say, you know, I, I, I think this is the time for me to kind of take what I love and do it as, as a living. And since I cannot make independent films as a living just now, because Netflix is not, you know, subsidizing my work, um, I uh, decided to maybe try videography. And one thing I knew is that um, businesses usually cannot afford, uh, afford a uh, videography services because they can be pretty expensive um 
Look at anyone that's ever gotten married and had a videographer do their <laughs> wedding and they'll tell you what it cost them. So I tried to do affordable videography services where I basically um, provide for free a brainstorming session. So if you have a small business and let's say you sell, I see the Scranton Theater painting in the back. So let's say you're selling those Scranton <laughs> Theater paintings or, or your paintings in general. Mm-hmm. So I'll sit down with you and I'll talk to you about what what are you selling and how do you want to present it and and how can we do something fun with this and make this an interesting commercial and and that's all free consultation and free brainstorming and I pitch some ideas back and forth um, until the customer is happy and really believe that something would work for them and then I'd I'd offer affordable videography services and I would use what I learned in independent films because mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to make big budget visually big budget scenes or 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 atmospheric uh, 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 set designs how do i do that with very little money and right. so i would take that yeah. experience and carry that over to the small businesses and and offer to do that for them and, and make them look like they've got a big budget commercial that they could share on their website on their social media pages that wouldn't break the bank for them uh unfortunately when i first started the videography services it was probably about a month before covid And um, I had about five clients that were really interested and we were talking and we were in the brainstorming phase. And then suddenly COVID hit. And I think the majority of those businesses went out of business. Um, I could not bring it, you know, I I could not approach them and say, are we still doing this? Because it was was pretty obvious that it was not a time when they could spend money on advertising. They were trying to pay employees. They were trying to pay rents and keep their doors open. And uh, so that was kind of a monkey wrench in the plan. And uh, COVID happened. And we had begun shooting, returned to the Theater of Terror at that point. And we were actually able to continue shooting that full anthology throughout COVID safely without incident. But unfortunately, the videography business kind of took a back seat. Um, Now, with that said, I do have a handful of very loyal customers that continue to come back to me frequently. Um, and not so much for the commercial ads, but more for documenting. I have a dance school that's a, that's oh, a wonderful yeah. customer of mine and I'll, and I'll do their, I'll do their events and such. Um, now that COVID is over, I am going to start leaning back into that. Um, I'm kind of waiting for businesses to really get back into the swing of things because when COVID hit, they were doing really well. And Business that had money to spend, and I was getting that kind of feedback from my customers. They were like, yeah, I've got money to invest in an ad. So right now, I don't know if everybody is really 100% back just yet, but I think it's about time that I'm going to start putting feelers out again and and get back to it because my community has been wonderful for our filmmaking. Um, Homeowners, uh, uh, the the, the city uh, council members, the mayor, um, everyone has been so receptive of what we do when we're making our films. And allowing us access uh, where normally if you were a big budget studio, you'd have to pay a lot of money to do these things in town. But because they understand where we're at and that I'm an independent filmmaker, and I'm a citizen and I'm passionate about what I do. They're very reasonable uh, with um, allowing me to access to places that I wouldn't normally have access to at very either very, very low amounts and, and contractual amounts. And, and, and it's, yeah. it's, it's made my life so much easier. And so I kind of wanted to give back to the community and say, Hey, let me help these small businesses around here, get back, right. you know, get back on their feet. And, and so hopefully we'll be back doing that um, more full time so I could leave my current job. No, and that's, that's, hear me say that. Didn't you? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll cut that part. Don't worry. Uh, but that's very important just because like you said, you have to make um, relationships with the community because that's where you're making your films. Uh, and for you to do that at a time when, you know, COVID wasn't even existent, uh, what, you know, just says a lot about you uh, that you are willing to put in the time and help uh, the community succeed because as well, that, that helps us, right? That helps us as filmmakers. I think a lot of people don't realize the business that filmmaking is, yeah. uh, how Hollywood was able to make it, right? It's not mm-hmm. just, it was not, not just Hollywood is because it's a business right. and that part of it, um, just to kind of touch on that, because I'm going to ask you uh, about your uh, screening that you have uh, in New Jersey. But just why do you think it's important for filmmakers as well to know that even though it's our passion to do filmmaking, that it is also a business and that that could help you uh, fund the next project? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, movies have always been about the audience, always. Um, have you ever sat in an empty movie theater and had a great time? Usually not. I mean, right. I've had wonderful times sitting in packed theaters where people could not contain their laughter or couldn't contain their fright or couldn't contain their tears. Um, it becomes this, this uh, community experience. Um, there's nothing better than walking out of a theater uh, and you realize that you all connected to the story and the characters the exact same way. Makes you feel like you belong. That's what we all want. That's what social media is all about. That's why you like to have likes on your social media posts. Makes you feel like you belong to a group, a community. You all agree. And movies are a wonderful way to do that without getting into fights or arguments, right? So, right. Um, or just minimal. Or just minimal, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but it's all for me. It's always been about the audience. And um, uh, as an independent filmmaker. When I sit in a screening and I see a packed house watching my movie, uh, that is the best medicine for me. And those people will tell you if you're doing a good job or not. Uh, because, no, yeah, because it's, it's not personal for them, right? They're yeah. not saying, oh, let me see Tom's movie and, you know, I'm going to judge Tom. And, and you know, people might know that you're the filmmaker, but they care about what they're watching on the screen. And there's nothing more rewarding to a filmmaker than to have people enjoy their work and hear them laugh and hear them jump in their seats and, and, and to see that reaction. It's so important. And so for me, it's important to communicate to people what I'm doing. I'm shooting films in our township. I'm shooting films in our neighborhoods. I'm shooting films with actors that live here or close by. And these are, these are our artists and these are our creatives and you are our you are who are we are doing this for. You, the audience, our citizens, are the people that live near the theater that will attend. You are the ones I'm making this movie for. I can make movies for myself, and I used to when we were younger. We'd use a VHS camera. We'd make something ridiculous, and we'd go up in the living room and take the tape out of the camera and put it in the VCR, and we'd watch it and laugh and never show it to anyone else because it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But now I want to make movies for people. I want to make people laugh. I want to make them cringe. I want to make them think. and. Um, it's just for me, they are the most important. If there is no audience, there is no point in making a movie. There really is not. Yeah, exactly. And, th and that's that's a great point. I mean, when I when I make my films and I screen them, I'm most half of the time I'm just looking at the people. I'm looking of at course. the people, I'm waiting for that moment because I also edit my films. So I'm like, or like at that point, they should be laughing. At right. that point, they should feel something. And if you see that in the audience, it's just it's just priceless, right? Because you know that what you intended on, on screen when you're behind the computer, when you're behind the scenes, you made it happen. And and, and that's that's amazing uh, because yeah. now you made someone feel something. And, you know, it's just like advertising. You know, you make people feel something that they're going to go buy it. That's In this right. case, yep. you make people feel something that they're going to watch it again or they're going to tell their friends. Um, and that's that's the best best thing, which leads me to the screening of Return uh, to the Theater of Terror, which mm -hmm. is the trailer that we saw. Let, mm -hmm. let me put it up again, just so people can can see what we're talking about if they yeah, get yeah. here a little Smart later. Cinemas. Mm -hmm. Let me. Uh, we are here. It's April twenty second. Yes. Right. Return to the Theater of Terror, and it's in Smart Castle. Uh, Cinemas, what better uh, independent uh, theater than that one? You know, right. the, the guy who started it all for comedy, uh, Atlantic uh, Highlands, New Jersey. So tell me a bit about that and what people can expect. So Smart Castle uh, Cinemas was formerly Atlantic Cinemas, and it was re recently purchased by uh, Ernie O'Donnell and Kevin Smith, filmmaker. And... Um, <laughs> Those guys, when they opened that theater, they said, this is going to be the home base of independent film and we're going to support it and we're going to show independent films. And they were not kidding. I, I contacted them. We held a premiere in the Cranford Theater, which uh, shout out to Doreen if she's watching this, was uh, just above and beyond receptive to independent filmmakers, supportive, excited, gave us a beautiful venue, super professional venue. The sound and the video quality were top notch. Um, their staff is top notch it, and, and, and the community is very, uh, very interested in independent film. 
And we held our premiere there and it was just a wonderful, wonderful venue. And when we did that, I couldn't get enough. And I said, I want to do it in another theater. And as I was thinking about it, Smod Castle was kind of uh, getting into their groove. Um, they, they, and, and they started advertising a few other independent films from fellow filmmakers who I am aware of. And I see that their films are showing down there. And I said, I got to reach out and tell them I'm interested. I did. Um, Ernie reached back out to me and told me, of course, man, we're showing indie films here. Come on down and let's let's make the arrangements. Um, they made it very easy for us to set that up. Pick a date, pick a dime and sell some tickets. And so uh, that's what we're doing. It's on April 22nd. We're doing it at 1.30 p.m. Uh, because I, I I just personally wanted to make it easier for people to travel long distances to see the film and have time to get home. Um, you know, of course, Return to the Theater of Terror is a film that you should watch at night in the dark. And it's kind of like, you know, creepy tales of terror. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm more interested in getting more people to attend and making it convenient for them. And on a Saturday, I think I could do that if I do it in the afternoon. We get a kind of an early yeah. screening. And uh, and then we have some time for a Q&A and an after party afterwards. Oh, you're going to be there? I'm going to be there. Cast oh, nice. and crew are going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. I show up to every screening. Um, you know, I and I try to show up to every film festival that our film appears in. If I cannot, if there's a conflict, I still promote it because I want other people to to attend. But I try to make every single one because, again, for me, screenings are test audiences. I want to hear what, how they receive it. I want to hear what their opinions are. It's important to me. And so uh, I will absolutely be there with a good amount of our cast and crew as well uh, to answer questions and kind of interact with the audience and see if they love it. Oh, the, I think they're gonna they're gonna love it, uh, and 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 that's uh, that's even better. I mean, I thought it was just a screening, so that's great. I unfortunately cannot make it. I will be uh, doing uh, some work that day, but I, I will hope that maybe you can screen it again another time. And uh, just other screenings, other screening times, or yeah. Right now, we don't have anything else set up. We are um, we are in in. Um, in the planning phases of trying something a bit bigger, um, it's going to have to be related to distribution. Uh, right. Don't know if it's going to happen. Um, I always, uh, I'm hopeful, but I'm always realistic about these things. Um, but in the meantime, I am using my personal uh, abilities and resources to contact local theaters and see who's interested. Of course, it's got to be an affordable situation for us. Uh, we spent a, a, a good amount of money on our film as well. Besides donations, there was some out-of-pocket money that went into finishing the film. And so I don't want to bury myself too deeply in a hole. But uh, as long as we have crowds turning out and, and buying tickets and attending the screenings, we could continue to fund more screenings. And this is a movie that I think needs to be seen theatrically. Right. Uh, because, uh, like I said, it really is like those old throwbacks, those those Twilight Zones and those Creepshow type movies. It is a fun movie to watch in the theater uh, because there is so much that you could react to and there is so much that you could laugh about and enjoy with your fellow film goers that um, I, I just, I, for me, that's where it's supposed to be seen. And I, and I just kind of want people to see it there and have fun at the movies again and have fun uh, sitting down with their community and enjoying something again. So. That's great. Well, you definitely should. Uh, we'll talk later uh, because we are uh, in the work of something big. Uh, so definitely, I think your film will be will be great for that uh, venue uh, that we're thinking about. But uh, I I really do hope that this goes well for you and you yeah. get to that point um, of the next step, right? The next step in your filmmaking adventure, uh, because it is, it's more than a hobby. It's more than a passion. It is something that you, uh, it looks like that's what you want. Well, that's what you live for. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, and I appreciate that in, in every filmmaker that, um, that shows passion, uh, more than passion, you know, it shows commitment, uh, for, for, for doing that. Um, so what I do, because, this show is all about that. It's about motivating people, filmmakers, mm -hmm. students, uh, veterans that are in the industry for a while to either connect uh, or to just make more films, right? Yeah. So we always have a question at the end for you know every uh, filmmaker, and <laughs> that is, what advice will you give to up-and-coming filmmakers or you can, it's, it's a two part, or what would you have told yourself, uh, your younger self, 
that you will do different. Um, so you can do either one. Mm, okay. I think I'll do the advice because um, what I would do differently, I, I think I, I, would, I wouldn't give myself advice to do anything differently necessarily because I do believe that the mistakes are part of the learning process. Right. And you, you don't evolve unless you make mistakes. And, and I think a lot of the mistakes that I made uh, only helped me grow. And if, and if I didn't make those mistakes, I don't think I would appreciate the learning process as much. You know what I mean? Um, if, if you give, if someone's a rocket scientist without going to school, they don't appreciate what it took to get there, right? They don't appreciate that, the learning curve there. So um, I don't know that I would change anything or give myself advice to do anything differently. But the advice that I would give to up and coming filmmakers or young filmmakers is that um, making the movie is important and making it well is important. Well, of course it is. But what's really important is your preparation and a plan. Um, there is, there's nothing more embarrassing than arriving to set and something goes wrong and you have no solution. Um, there's nothing more embarrassing than not having a schedule in place and the shoot is going to take place next week and none of the actors know when to show up or they don't have the location or that. There's so much preparation that goes into making a film, the pre-production, the table reads, the location scouting, uh, the agreements that you make uh, with people that are either working for free or providing you a location or whatever it is. For me, the advice that I give to everyone is respect every single person that's involved in the process, respect them enough to keep them informed, respect them enough to come up with a plan where you expect issues. You always have to expect problems on a film. And even when you have all those solutions ready, you're probably gonna run into a problem that you didn't anticipate because that's what filmmaking is. As long as you are showing everyone how prepared you are or how prepared you tried to be leading up to the film, I think you'll have the respect of the people that you work with and you'll have the confidence of the people that you work with. And that makes for a really great experience on set. When people know you're serious right. and they know that you put the time into making sure that they're not inconvenienced, they respect you so much more and they appreciate the process so much more. I've showed up to film sets where I'd sit around for eight or nine hours and then when it was time for me to be on camera because i've done some small <laughs> acting roles as well when it was time for me to be on camera i realized that the director had no idea what he was going to do next with that scene had no idea on camera angles had no idea about choreography or blocking and those type of things could be very frustrating when you're working for nothing or when you're working for very low amounts of money because you understand it's an indie film so if people are going to sacrifice their time your talents for you, the least you could do is come up with a plan, be prepared and respect them for what they're doing for you. And I guarantee that the rest of the process will, will come easy. Even when you run into obstacles, everyone will face those obstacles together instead of looking at you and saying, didn't you think that this could happen and you don't have a plan? <laughs> so I think that's the thing that I've always done with all my films is that I've always respected everyone that have been you know, kind enough to um, see my vision, entertain it, and be a part of it. And so the least I could do is make sure that they had a wonderful time making that movie. That is well said. Uh, Desiree, when you do that clip that you do on Facebook, just the audio for a specific, make sure this is the first one. Because this is great advice. Everyone should know that, that we are not here to inconvenience people that are helping us. We're here to be ready. If everything, like everyone's dedicating their time voluntarily, mm -hmm. um, it's really usually the people you're asking to help and they want to help you on a voluntary basis are doing it because they love the craft as well. Mm -hmm. That's great. And kind of respect them. And then it's, it's like I've done my own film projects, all voluntary, and people came out and we've had wonderful times because we've prepared as much as you can. You try to prepare as much as you possibly can, but things will happen that you don't expect. But sure. If everything's good and everyone's taken care of, especially when you feed people. <laughs> so you have to feed right. people. <laughs> have some water on set, please. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's going to have a great time. And I've had sets where like everyone had so much fun and enjoyed themselves. And that's what you should do when you're making movies. It's fun. We're all playing make-believe. Mm -hmm. And if you're not having fun, then playing is not fun. You know, and that's that's what we're doing. We're playing and let's 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 have fun doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So 
speaking of inconvenience, we don't want to inconvenience you. And uh, we want to thank you for being well, here. Like hour, but I mean, if you want to say like what your favorite all time horror film is. Oh, okay. You want to get my old answer first? that question? But so I always give this answer whenever I get interviewed. I'm usually not a person that makes favorite song, favorite actor, favorite movie, favorite because yeah. it, today it's one thing and tomorrow it's another. Um, mm -hmm. So many horror films I absolutely love. Um, when I read the question on the on the paper, I, I gave it some thought and. Um, I still don't have an answer, but I'll throw out a few <laughs> movies that I do really love. Um, the original Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 are, are, are two of my really favorite movies. They're so different. Uh, Sam Raimi was making a horror film in the first one, and then he was making a horror comedy in the second one. And you could kind of see that transition. Mm -hmm. I think he took all those elements from the first one that he thought were fun and took them into the second. Those are a couple of my favorites. If we're going to get it more seriously into horror, less comedy... Um, High Tension is really one of my favorite ones. And if you haven't seen that, it's a French film. Um, and it's uh, there, there's something really deeply frightening about the way that that narrative unfolds. Um, if you've never seen it, you should give it a try. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, it's a great one. Um, okay. I, uh, gosh. Um, you know, the original Nightmare on Elm Street was a favorite of mine for years. Really, really favorite of mine. I don't know if the sequels kind of diminished it a little bit for me, because then I kind of felt like, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, regurgitating a lot of the same stuff. And Robert Englund is brilliant. He's just a great actor in all those movies. Um, but that, at one point, was one of my favorites. Um, you know, gosh. It's again when I make lists, I'll sit here and give name you a hundred movies. Yeah, you're gonna have to start blog about it now. And I'm and I'm probably gonna the interview will end and I'll say, wait a minute, I should have mentioned this one <laughs> that I really love. There, there's so many. I love so many horror movies, so many science fiction movies, so many comedy movies, so many action movies. I just love movies in general, and it's because the ones that are my favorites are the ones that made me feel. And think about them and talk about them later. And so the list can go on and on and on. If you told me what horror movie would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island, I couldn't answer that question. I have no idea. I'd grab the closest one to me. I don't know. <laughs> Whichever one it was. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, well, again, I mean, we thank you so much for being yeah, uh, here. For we really appreciate your time. I think someone out there is, is really looking at this and I hope they take your advice because it is it's just perfectly well well said. Right? Thank you so much. And if anyone is listening and they ever want to find me on social media, um, our website is theaterofterror.net. Um, you can subscribe to our mailing list. But if you find me on social media, if there's any filmmakers out there that ever want to ask me any questions, I'm more than willing to answer questions. Just message me. You could post on one of my posts that you have a question. You could subscribe to our mailing list and you could write me through that way. Uh, you could write me on Instagram. You could write me on Twitter. And I'd be more than happy to offer guidance or advice of, of anything that I've experienced myself. Uh, I'm not the guru of indie filmmaking, but I could certainly tell you what I've experienced in whatever your question pertains to. And um, I'm happy to help. And we're, we're all here to help each other. That's right. Uh, definitely. Uh, uh, I'm going to reach out uh, and I'll make sure that, you know, people, if, if you, if you have questions, this is, this is it, you know, uh, advice doesn't come for free. So this is good because he knows what filmmaking is and independent filmmaking. Uh, so again, we thank you for, for being here. We're going to close out the program real quick and then we'll let you go. And uh, we're going to show that trailer at the end uh, again for those who are interested in going to the uh, screening. Uh, Come definitely. To Desert, please. Yes, for sure. Everything so, yes. Go right ahead, Desiree. Do your thing. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Tom Ryan, for joining us this evening on our Scranton Talk show. Uh, we always have wonderful events coming up, like we told you in the beginning of our broadcast. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel to see any of these previous talks. All the videos live there. We also have a podcast where we throw the audio from our interviews on there on multiple platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, where you can get any of your podcasts. You can listen to our previous talks on there as well. Yes, and uh, Scranton Talks is uh, 
part in part possible through a grant from Lackawanna Arts and Culture Department. Mm -hmm. uh, we are uh, very thankful for that. And again, if you uh, are looking to for ideas of who you want on the show, please send us uh, your comments, send us your a message. Please do not send it on our personal uh, Facebook, but send it through the Independent Film Creative Hub so we can keep track of that. Uh, and also just uh, be out there and collaborate. Um, this is uh, what you want us to do. <laughs> yes, yes. If if anyone can uh, get Desiree, uh, you know, anyone from Star Wars, she will be happy. Uh, <laughs> we are going to have a Star Wars Day talk. <laughs> we will. Yes. We will. Uh, so we'll more on that uh, next time. But uh, again, thank you so much. We're going to close out the program and I'm going to show that uh, trailer. Uh, Tom, if you don't mind hanging out backstage for a little bit, uh, just so we can say our proper goodbyes. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you so much again for joining us for our Scranton Talks podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Be sure to stay up to date by following us on the Independent Film Creative Hub Facebook page and Instagram. We always have wonderful events coming up and we do share things that are going on in the area that are filmmaking and creative related. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see any of our live previous talks. If you can't make a live broadcast, we have them on our YouTube channel for you to look at later. We also have this podcast where we put the audio of our interviews on, on multiple platforms where you get your podcast that you're listening to right now. <laughs> so I'm so glad you guys can join us and listen to us and feel free to message us if you would like to be on our show. We would love to share your journey with others. You can direct message us on our Facebook page and Instagram account. Um, if you have filmmaker, filmmaking friends that you want us to feature, if you have your own project you want to highlight, talk about your journey, or if there's any kind of ideas for shows, uh, we like to do a Star Wars Day show, <laughs> or any other theme shows you would like us to do, just send us a message. Uh, the Independent Film Creative Hub is geared for you. It's geared to help filmmakers reach their potential becoming successful creative artists. And you can check out our website, artcreativehub.com, and join our directories free to sign up. And we can't thank enough for the Lackawanna County Arts and Culture, who have given us so generously a grant to help make this show possible. Um, and that's a wrap, and we'll see you again soon. Mm -hmm.